Hey, welcome to episode 28 of Defy the Norm. So in the last episode, I spent some time talking about the effects stress has on us and how we don't even realize that we're stressed out, but, um, you know, it starts to take a toll. And like one of the things that we can do is uh, gain clarity by kind of taking a step back. And Victor and I really had to experience this firsthand about 12 years ago when he had a really bad case of adrenal burnout, adrenal exhaustion, whatever you want to call it. So in this episode, I asked Victor to join me and we talk about how important it is um, that in order to have clarity and create the life you want, sometimes you have to just uh, force the clarity for yourself, force the space into your life, stop waiting for permission, not necessarily wait till every duck's in a row or the stars are aligned. Sometimes you have to not just dip your toe in, you have to absolutely just make bold moves, bold changes in your life. And so I'm really excited to have a different voice talking about that. this because, you know, I can talk about it all day long. I thrive on these type of things. But, you know, for Victor... It's taken some it's taken some years of like being kind of forced into it and then doing it and going, "Wow, I am so glad we made that decision even though it was hard at the time." And I I hope you enjoy uh having a little different perspective. Uh it's nice to get to sit down and have Victor and I team up for a podcast. To inspire you to boldly and unapologetically Live outside the box. Dream big. And question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. Welcome. So, and uh, today I have Victor on with me. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, yesterday I recorded a podcast about how we're living in survival mode all the time and it's really hard to get into creation mode, but that's where like the magic happens in your life. And so on the podcast, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, you might want to go back and uh, watch podcast. I think it was episode 27 where I talked about this. And so today we thought we'd... uh, share this because you know on youtube we've been trying to show up every so often we haven't been so good about it lately no because we've been busy <laughs> but well i'm growing so many different platforms individually each of the kids and even yourself and um you know on our youtube the the branding is everyone look, looks up rv travel rv this yeah. rv that and so uh, in some part you feel like uh, how is that aligned with the mindset it, and it's for us it's like obviously makes sense but uh, based on views, sometimes we yeah. don't get that feedback. Right? Yeah, definitely. It seems like uh, one in the same. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what that survival mode was like firsthand, because Victor is the expert of uh, living in survival mode for a long time. <laughs> no, you were the expert. Not anymore. You're not the expert. No, it's, it's a constant, it's constant struggle. And some of that has to do with uh, natural wiring. And some of it has to do with uh trauma in your youth and some of it has to do with keeping yourself in that thing you know and so actually having you know uh, my personality type naturally wants to help but it also keeps you from experiencing your own desires wishes dreams things like that and 
we want to just bring awareness so that you go, hey, if you know all this is happening and still make the choice, more power to you. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is empower you so that you have a choice and you live your life so you're not and those last few breaths, you, you know that you lived your life exactly how you wanted on your terms. And again, I'm not, we're not sitting here saying that, that we have it all figured out, but I really do think everyone deserves health, wealth, and abund, abundance, abundance, <laughs> abundance. So um, it's, it's not something that know, for the privilege, right? you know, yeah. we've traveled all over the world and people just make these assumptions that we're, oh, it must be so nice to be independently wealthy. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. We have we've zeroed out our accounts many, many, many times. times. <laughs> we And the fear associated with doing that, especially for me, is uh, is paralyzing. Um, because of, again, so, some of my wiring. But we've faced that a little bit. And, uh, you know, go, we're going to get into that, uh, my adrenal fatigue. And that was kind of a big moment, I would say, for both of us, really, right? Because you you were already kind of questioning a lot. But at the same time, it even more got you to go, what the heck are we doing? I would definitely say it had an effect on both of us. For me, it had an effect more on that I had so much wrapped up into my identity as being a wife and a mom that after we went through all of that, then I became so much more of an individual, like what does Robin want to do? Where do I feel good? Before I used to just be that person who was like, well, my kids are doing this and I'm Victor's wife and I'm making sure he has dinner every night. And and I had so much tied up in like approval from from those things that I never even at that time before then I didn't I didn't do anything on my own. Yeah, I mean, just a little backstory on that. In my mid thirties, I went through a bad bout of adrenal fatigue. And, you know, to this day, if you go to a doctor, probably 50-50 actually would tell you that's actually a thing. And actually, I posted a couple of things on, on social media and I get all this, hey, this doesn't exist. This guy's a clown. It absolutely exists. If you don't believe me, go to a naturopath, Google the subject and you're going to get conflicting. Now, whether you identify that as adre the adrenals getting fatigued, um, that's completely different. The idea is that I put we put those two words together in the description so you have an understanding of what's associated with your fatigue, whether that's um, associated with not being able to create the hormones you need uh, because of of other hormones inputting it and and inputting the it affecting the sites and where you're absorbing it. That is, to me, less important than the idea that modern society creates a massive amount of burdens. And when you couple that with bad food, pollution, um, and not understanding what you really want out of life, it's a recipe for disaster. So I went through my mid-30s, and I had a full schedule. I did not perceive stress. We had three little kids at home at that time, right? Four. Four. And I just could not get enough sleep. I just felt like crap all the time. The only time I did feel good is when I was working out and working out intensely because that's where I was creating a lot of positive sort of endorphins. And But shortly after that, you know, the workouts, I always had to crash for a while. And I woke up always feeling like, well, I just feel like crap. Coffee to coffee. I would just have venti after venti after venti to just get me through my day. And, you know, started having a few panic attacks and this is not all about my adrenal fatigue experience but to give you a few insights anxiety depression uh, problems with weight gain food allergies uh, you know that all skyrocketed and thankfully I had uh, Robin to be doing quite a bit of research for me because I had zero capabilities other than to just drag myself through the day and if you feel like that you're not alone and it doesn't happen and I got to tell you, you know, I was in the ER at some point because I was throwing heart palps 
and it didn't even allude to anything. They just assumed that I, they are oh, you taking too much creatine. What the f? What the f? Like how? How is that? And you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Okay, great. But I had this looming like something's up with me, and I didn't under, have an understanding of what that was. It wasn't until Robin did a fair amount of uh, studying and um, uh, Dr. Brian Walsh has his course about fat is not your fault that kind of give us insights into the sort of the waterfall that can lead to this. Uh, you know, I, we always have a given amount that we can hold in our buckets. When it starts overflowing, that's when we get into problems and learning to empty that bucket yourself or um, raise make the size of your bucket, bucket, make a bigger bucket. So to put in perspective too, so this was, it's 2021. This was 2010 when this happened. And uh, at the time, really like, doctor no doctor at least none of the doctors we went to said that's anything wrong it's all in your head um, it's normal to be tired anxiety is normal depression's normal um here's a med for it i mean today that is so the norm that um i think it's even even more accepted that it's just normal for you to go through your life with anxiety depression trouble losing weight um trouble sleeping um this the feeling of like you can't let down like fire flight mode all the time wired and tired i think m way more people exist in it and it's been like looked upon like that it's okay at the time i think uh People who are older than us kind of look down and go, oh, that's what we'd call a midlife crisis. Yeah, I was 35. Which, or yeah, or you have andropause. Oh yeah, andropause. That was a good one. That was a good, really good one. But here, here's the hard part with any and all of that. What's the answer? Pharmaceuticals. And the fact is, is like we weren't going to go that no, route. And, and so I'd spent so many hours researching. And yeah, like you said, I came across some someone. It took a long time for me to stumble upon this but dr brian walsh and it was like this program i think it was like 300 dollars to buy his videos and here i am watching these videos learning everything about the endocrine system and then we topped it off with like some herb supplements and just lifestyle changes you know totally revamped totally woo woo stuff you know who does who does healing i mean the funny thing is if you guys stick with our podcast we're setting this up to like we will eventually get into like where healing's going like even beyond the fact that um it's, it has to do with like what you eat and like your mindset and your stress levels like there's so much in consciousness that we can do to heal ourselves it's incredible but let's not jump too many steps at first yeah that can be a little bit overwhelming but i can tell you again if you didn't already know that I, I, my background over the last 30 years has been in the health and fitness industry and real early on and even now i realized the power that i have by my presence on the people that i work with did you get that part the power of my presence and what it has on the people that I work with. And so I'm not necessarily standing up here as a healer, but I knew that my presence is always lifts people up, right? And and so if you can imagine, and, and again, if you think this is hocus pocus, like go stress yourself out. Go, You've been in that situation. You should know that that has a negative impact on your health. If you don't validate that, you should probably go watch something else, okay? And uh, ultimately, I think... There is, I, I come from that. I started off physical, physical therapy. Um, I, I know how to rehab people. But at some point, I had to ask myself, I had one gentleman that came in and he, I was giving him physical therapy for almost every major, remember, uh, mm -hmm. every physical, ther physical therapy for almost every major joint. And I'm like, 
hey man, I'm treating every joint. We need to think about what's inflaming you. What is, and not even from a dietary standpoint, but from an emotional, from an emotional standpoint. And uh, when I was able to jump into that, it opened my eyes up and particularly through my own experience, having an understanding of that. So, you know, we're, we're kind of getting around to this, but ultimately that fight or flight situation then, right, where we use that term very, very often, right? We use it a tons. And Robin alluded to it a little bit in the previous podcast, but it is so powerful. It's that experience that you you know an animal you see it at the water's edge and it knows it's taking a, a huge risk because everything in it's saying this alligator this crocodile is going to come up and bite me but i am so thirsty i have to take this drink and i have to do it and it knows that it's taking that risk on some level a hundred percent of the people that i work with are living in that mode and so when they come in and see me, the first thing I do is take them out of that before I put them through exercise. And what does that mean? It could be a small dialogue until I realize that their shoulders drop or maybe I start to notice diaphragmatic breathing or I, I frankly lay them down. I, I know quite a few on Monday. It's Mondays are really hard for, for humans. Yeah. <laughs> we, you can even narrow it down. You know, heart attacks happen between eight eight and nine o'clock in the morning on Monday. What are people doing at eight and nine o'clock in, in the morning? They're going back to work, but most of them don't want to be there. And so that fight or flight just comes cascading down. And, and so you can see this fight or flight through breathing patterns um, and, and even the dialogue that people are bringing, you know, the way they're talking, repeating themselves about certain trauma, certain stresses in their lives. You can tell they're, they're in that mode. And so as a trainer and coach, I'm like, okay, well, I can't take exercise is another stress on the human body. And so I had to relearn to go, okay, well, I can reshift what exercise is by making things more playful, taking less pressure off, like, come on, do it, push yourself. So it's like, hey, let's, let's, let's have a little fun, let's listen to great music. Or I can help them by learning uh, meditative practices, calming them down before breath work. And a vast majority of clients that I'm working with now, I focus on, I, I chunk it into thirds, come in, decompress through MFR, deep deep breathing, talk about whatever's going on in their life, give them a middle section, which includes some exercise. And then we sit and meditate because I know if they, if I don't do it with them, it's not going to happen. And this is huge because before we moved up to Polson, um, you, this was not your protocol for training people, right? It was not, it was, you know, still very, very traditional in a lot of ways because I felt like my job was to create hard workouts. It always has been Hard enough that they get results. You know, I think anyone that's in this fitness, in the fitness industry knows that it's real easy to make things so hard that people are will feel unsuccessful. It's almost like you're sick. creating another addiction because we're addicted to the stress. Sure. But we're almost addicted to the stress that's Ooh, caused in, our, that's in our workouts. You're absolutely right. And so before we moved up to Polson, um, you know, part of why what was hard for you is like you loved – Actually, let me back up really fast. <laughs> when I met Victor, I didn't really work out. Um, I was pretty young. I played soccer. I taught gymnastics, but I didn't work out. And then I met him, and he was a meathead. He was in Gold's Gym every night, so I was in Gold's Gym every night with him. It was fun. And after a couple months, well, let's see, we started dating. I was still senior in high school. But when we started dating, and I went to college with him, 
I'm like, you're a business major, but all you do is spend your time in the gym. So I walked him over to the kines department. I'm like, he needs to switch majors because he should not be a business major. He was falling asleep. Now, granted, now the stress on our marriage, he should have been a business major maybe because Marketing, it would have helped. Marketing, to be specific, not necessarily business. But let's be. Michal, you need to go business administration or international business. <laughs> and... It's really good that he switched to Kines, but it also, uh, side note, like, yeah, college marketing probably wouldn't have been the, the answer anyways. You can learn everything you want to learn in college outside oh, of college. Free. So he he switched majors. We're in the gym. late fees. <laughs> and we, <laughs> you guys know what movie that is? Um, and so we went to, um, uh, we, we were going to Gold's Gym all the time. And see, you told me I forgot my train of thought. So happens comedy. when we do these together. It's <laughs> supposed to make entertaining. Um, we. Uh, I was trying to think. Your the, point was um, we worked out together, and I think you were getting to the point where you're like, what it was is just this? everything was about the workout, and then there there got to be a point where later in in your career, like you loved working out, so you became a kines major, and you started out as a trainer, which was really great. In like, let's get everyone stronger, and unfortunately. You know, a lot has happened over the last 25 years in just not even the fitness industry, just the world in general that, yeah, 25 years ago, you absolutely, the average person needed hard workouts. Now life is just so stressful that most people can't even handle it. And so around the same time, like 2012, I, I definitely shifted more into yoga and into um, surfing and I didn't work out with him very much anymore. And in that time, I kind of was like, you work out too much. You work out too much. Why do you always just want to work out? But there's some part of him that was like one, some part of it. It's really good for his, um, personality type. It's really good. But part of it was also a, a compensation. Absolutely. It's real easy to not understand that someone that might have felt weak their entire life or particularly as a kid, was trying to compensate by becoming as strong as possible to protect themselves from whatever that was, right? And so this, this, that, that alludes to something slightly deeper, bigger, but still incredibly valid to have an understanding of. Well, what I was the thinking that we do. like we moved, so it was a really big stress on our relationship while we are traveling. We've already covered that it was a stress that just for his personality type, just being in new situations. But it was also stress on his body not to work out because even though when he, we were in San Diego and maybe he was slightly addicted to the workouts, at least it also fulfilled some form of like venting and blowing off steam and just losing yourself in something. Well, when we when we went to travel, you know, like six months through Europe, he only went into a gym twice and it was just really hard for you to walk into new situations and just be. Yeah, I mean, we had a camper van for a vast majority down, you know, driving into downtown cities. And in the end, I was like, what the heck was I thinking that that was even necessary was was crazy. But again, but you probably should have at the time, right? At the time, looking back, I should have forced it a little bit. And I still for most time. That's again, uh, personality links. I never do anything for myself. Um, I tend to self-sacrifice until the point where I just run out of steam and energy. Um, and so those are sort of, uh, that alludes to kind of self-wiring issues. And so if you're going through some of this, you have to be able to, and this is where personality typing and Enneagram are, are, are sort of a great tool to step outside your body. Now there are issues with testing for this and we talk about this all the time. And, and a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, like, it's it, it's kind of a running joke 
how little I was, I knew about this stuff. They were so early to the game again, cause I was in my own fight or flight with my, with my business and retaining clients and trying to grow a client that I wouldn't acquire. They would talk about it and back out. Tell me what that one is again. Tell me that. So it's a running joke that how little I knew about this for a very long time. But then when I started to step into it, like, wait, this is going to help me. And it helps uh, me understand my clients so that I can provide that little bit of extra attention or programming. Well, it's Under like everybody kind of has their core thing to 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 realize that they need. So, for example, like I was saying with Victor and working out, he absolutely needs some element of that. The worst thing to do, the two worst things, the worst thing is for him to train hard every day in the gym. The second worst thing is for him to never train. Finding that balance is really important. Someone like my personality type doesn't necessarily need the, the weight room. The worst thing for me is not to be out adventuring in in nature and the second worst thing is for me to be doing it so much that I'm that I'm overdoing it and the intensity causes me to to burn out in other ways. So yeah. we it's really important to know your personality type. The irony I thought you were going to say is that nobody can test themselves. That's right. what I was going to say. I was going to get to, but um, I think it gets sidetracked when I'm sitting next to my girl. So, oh, sorry, <laughs> no, my my wife. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, personality typing becomes really really hard, especially when you're sitting, especially because you have depending on when you are in a growth phase or not so growth phase, you'll test a little bit differently. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so we've done a little bit. That is incredibly important for me to test people, but then follow our instincts and go, yeah, I think she's in growth or he's in growth or, you know, they're in, in not so healthy growth. And that's why they test this way and follow our intuition a little bit. And I think nine times out of 10, we're, we're pretty spot on at identifying that. But it still can be a valuable tool for you to understand um, what you need so that you can uh, sort of break yourself out of the matrix. So going back to the <laughs> physical body, what I was leading up to is that when we moved up here to Polson, you know, after so many years of him overtraining in our business, and then we went to travel the world a lot and he'd undertrain. And so it was like this, in some ways, it's tying it back to like how we become addicted to stress. It was almost like a stress addiction. And, you know, the compassionate wife that I'm trying to be was always like, you need to do, you need to do more yoga with me. You need to do. So when we moved into Polson, remember what happened at the time, you weren't doing yoga that often. And within two weeks, we were doing yoga every day when we first moved in here. We didn't put a couch in our living room. We have this beautiful, huge space in our living room to do yoga, looks over in the mountains. Remember in the first, within two weeks, all of a sudden your hip pain went away. Yeah, that was incredibly. And again, when we talk about yoga, if you have a yoga practice, um, you, you probably already know this, but it's less about stretching than you think. Again, yoga is not as much about stretching for me as much more of a checking in with the body sort of mindfulness. And remember the mind and body are connected. And so we hold a lot of emotion in our muscles uh, to the point that, you know, when people have pain after I'm doing my diagnosis, I'm like, certainly if someone goes out and runs um, after not running for decades and they have shin pain, I'm like, oh yeah, I gave yourself shin splints because you haven't trained. But to the point that everyone is potentially healthy and all of a sudden they start manifesting some low back discomfort or um, in a lot of women shoulder discomfort. I know that stress is linked to that. And so I assumed being my physical therapist kind of running through me, I'm like, oh, it's always linked a little bit. It's all the heavy lifting I do. And I get two weeks into this journey and I'm like, God darn it. Like, you know, I can't believe it's all how I'm holding myself. And 
it was hugely insightful to me, not only to have that practice, uh, but also to have that connection because then I started to jump up even farther and go, oh wow, I have this, what is going on with the people I work with and how can I serve them better? And how can I, oh my gosh, where can I scream this at the top of my lungs? And some part of me is resistant to still do that because of fear of judgment, but that's a whole nother side thing. But it needs to happen so that people realize that they can heal themselves through a wide variety of things. Does that mean you have to go do, sit and do yoga for hours on end no, or meditate hours on end? No, but if you start to bring a little bit of mindfulness into even sitting in space, sitting in quiet and silence, it can help you to understand how you're carrying your body um, and some of the stresses that you might have and how they're impacting you negatively. And the quicker you understand that connection, the quicker you understand long-term health. Yeah, and that's why we um, are trying to include more of this on you know, Defy the Norm podcast. Defy the Norm is all about questioning everything, even your own self, even your shoulder pain. Hey, shoulder, why are you hurting me? Shoulder, like I did all the rehab for you. You just keep like sending me these these sharp pains at my right neck. Right here for me. So that's why. Oh, and, yeah. and it's like when you stop and question like, why? What is my subconscious trying to tell me? Because remember, your subconscious is 95% of your thoughts are and subconscious. And sub means below. <laughs> it's happening on a level that you don't even realize. But if you bring some awareness to that, then you can be like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. So and, um, what, one know? of the big things that going into that, um, that forced me to question this with some of the people I work with is that the way that people answer uh, as a trainer in general, when people come in, Hey, how are you doing? Great. Great. I'm good. And I started to realize and evaluate that term because it was being so used by a lot of people. And it takes a little while first off to get, to get to know someone to the point where they do let themselves really be vulnerable. Now that can be a little bit of a challenge as a trainer, cause it could be just a bitch session, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're like bartenders or like shrinks in a lot of ways. And that can be an opportunity for them to vent. But at the same time, we're living in a society where the, that is kind of the norm to always say we're good. I remember even writing about it in my book, The Road Less Traveled, that when we went to Europe, like that, I can't remember what spots I wrote about it, but like that if somebody says, um, how are you? They expect you to actually say how you are, not I'm good. Like in the U.S., you just say, how are you? It's like a formality. You're on autopilot, subconscious training. How are you? I'm good. But like we've traveled to places where you say, If you how say are how you? are you, that's a 45-minute conversation. Well, you know, I'm doing good, but uh, my knee's been bothering me. You know, my oh, husband, uh, yeah. he keeps hanging out at that bar every night. And then, you know, his he went and you, you just opened it up and we don't. I mean, we have this because we have a very open dialogue in our family and we have been, you know, on this path of like, but it's hard to get other people to talk like that. It's hard to get them to open up. Like, how are you? Like, what do you really, how are you should be more of a, like, what are you thinking about instead of like, how are you? We're all like, we're all just trying our best. It's hard no matter what, but it should be more like, hey, what are you thinking about? Like, what are you really thinking about? What's on your mind? Yeah, so if you're, I think the take home with that little one is like, think about that knee jerk. If someone asks you something and you're saying I'm good, but you're really not good, because um, more often than not, they're not, people are not. 
especially after further inspection and me, you know, I, I can read between the lines. I go, okay, well, let me ask, well, how's your weekend? How's this? How's your eating? Um, and then I start stretching them or start warming them up. And you start squeezing on those muscles. And as most people know, you know, you're holding emotion in those muscles. And I've had people countless times sort of break down or then sort of be ready to kind of open up and, and start sharing that. And all of a sudden, like, how do you feel now? Much better. Much yeah. better. Yeah. I'm like, okay, now we're ready to move. And so having an understanding of that, I think is important, especially if you're trying to get out of that fight or flight response. So if you have those knee-jerk reactions that you're telling people, first off, you're not letting people in. Second, you're also keeping yourself in this sort of grind mentality. And look, I come, come from a long, long, long list of grinders. Like we grind like no other. And that's okay. But oftentimes I talked to quite a few people while I was visiting in San Diego and and their knee-jerk reaction is to always, uh, hey, how are you? And, oh, good, man. It's so busy, so busy. And you can kind of see like it all over. We take pride in being you so take busy. It so, you take pride in being that way. And some part of that shows success. Like, wow, that's great. I'm glad you're busy. But at the same time, if they're not and they're doing that, they're putting themselves in that fight-or-flight response chronically. And that I think can you lead have to, to decide. dis-ease. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you have to decide if health is truly important to you is like unfortunately you can have health and wealth but it's hard it takes a lot of work and i think for a lot of for a lot of people um nobody's stepping in and saying like hey you know what like it's okay you don't have to like you don't have to work so hard to prove yourself you don't have to um be you know i tell victor all the time like do we really need to make another thousand this month like we could just actually we could enjoy it a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying to like zero out our account this month necessarily, but I'm saying like, hey, maybe maybe we could spend more time together and like work a little less or maybe we, yes. Yeah, it's, you know, from personal experience, I could tell you that, um, and especially my journey, um, which I'm not, I always tell Robin like before we start recording, like, man, don't throw me under the bus. It shouldn't be a session where it's all about, <laughs> all right, Victor sucks. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, but, but I think... You know, if I if I can share that and help a few people out with my journey, then it's certainly worth it. And ultimately, um, given the way I deliver information, sometimes a lot of people it resonates with people, and so that's definitely worth doing. We are an amazing duo because, like, I have the ideas, but he has the delivery service because no one wants to hear it from me. Um, <laughs> they the. The reason he's, it seems like he gets thrown under the bus or the reason um, why it's its harder for him or he struggles is like he said, he comes from a line of, of grinders. And for a lot of people, the same thing that goes hand in hand with your response is like, I'm good, I'm busy. It's, it's programming. We are programmed to, to always um, be in fear of not having enough or that we can always prove ourselves more. And I remember from very early on in our marriage, because we were self-employed and we didn't know when money was going to come in. And we were absolutely trying to live a lifestyle of keeping up with the Joneses, have new cars, have a big fancy house. We were absolutely, I was definitely like, oh my gosh, if you can take more money, take more money. <laughs> and initially, very early on. And then 
and and Victor grew up like his parents were in fact he went back to San Diego this a couple weeks ago because we needed to make a little bit of more money and well and it was it no, was time it, to it's also yeah it was time to go back and I have a lot of people that have supported my digital so most yeah. everyone I work with now works with me digitally it was so out of desire yeah. not necessity it was right. just more you right. want to but his but he he just goes back occasion a couple weeks and then and his dad's like what do you mean you're not moving back but like <laughs> you can make so much money and like, it's not about the money always. Like, and can't I, you make more money here? I'm like, yes, but, you know, they took my... They well, it's not they, even that. It's like, we're just, we enjoy our life. Again. Yeah, yeah, I, I I, do. The pace of life, I, you know, alone, I remember walking outside and looking, I told you this, uh, in the evenings, looking up at the stars, well, you can't really see many stars on the coast in a big city. So um, it was a little bit hard for me to go look up. and like, I don't see those stars. I don't have that space. In our house in Polson, I, was, I joke <laughs> with him because when he wakes up, in the uh to go to the bathroom at night he always walks by our sliding glass door to like stare at the windows because victor doesn't love love like adventure and, and camping he does not like to the same extent uh, i do but he loves looking at it like especially i like seeing, being in nature a lot like he a just lot, doesn't like to move it like he doesn't want to go it's climb or hike it's not as nece necessary for me as it is for robin and although. that's a type two versus type eight thing and it helps because we know we know that about each other and we've been together for so long that we get to joke about it. But I know that I'm like my big compromise. I'm like, yeah, let's just go camping more often. You can sit and like stare at the stars and I can go rock climb and then we can do both together every other day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we um, So anyways, it was like early. It's, it's a programming thing. It was absolutely a programming that you never turn down. If you can make another $75, you Mark. absolutely should never turn but, it down. You know, and, one, one of the problems, let me interject here. One of the problems with that, because I went back for two weeks and it's really not, obviously it's always nice, complimentary. Like I had a full schedule. Everyone wanted to come in as often as I was there in person and get kind of updated and get get the focus. People feed off that energy. And that way when I do leave, they can. But there were some days I was working 10 to 12 hour days. And um, and I get on the plane and I'm like, oh man, I got a cold. I can feel it coming on. And I was a mess the first 48 hours. Yeah. And you could still see, hear it in my voice. I'm still fighting that. And that's because of that nature. Like, okay, yes, do more, do more. Yeah, okay, take it, take it. You know, um, and ultimately, it if there is an intention with that, and Robin can allude to this, and we're getting a little sidetracked from from sort of the adrenal and, and living outside the matrix issue. But, you know, I have... If you if I give you a list of the things that really matter to me, very few of them are connected to money. Yeah. Very few. But yet. But yet I do everything to get that, and so I. And have even to with somebody myself. married to you, that's like, hey, it doesn't matter. Like we we still need to like have intention, but it doesn't have to be to the that making money is a central focus that that we miss out on the things that really matter, and it's. It's challenging to um, to find that space between the two. And it's funny because even our kids, um, you know, I kind of like that with homeschooling, I've been able to you know, raise entrepreneurs that are very driven and they want to they want to live purposeful lives, but they even become like overachievers, overworking. You got to tell them to chill. I tell them, I'm like, we're because we go on these trips, road trips, we go climbing and they work less and it's good for them. And then they're like, okay, I got to come back and I got to, you know, create another funnel or make like <laughs> write another blog or I got to get, you know, all my posts up on YouTube and up on Instagram and da, da, da. And I'm like, Hey, you guys just maybe just chill for a day. Like just enjoy, just enjoy the, enjoy the transition. But at the same time, 
it's good to have intention. So my thing is always like, you should absolutely have it outlined, like your big term win. What do you really want in life? What's the most, what matters the most? Then take it a step. What are, what are things that you can um, measure that with? Like, so if Victor is like, oh my gosh, my most important thing is to like feel in love with you, Robin, then I have to go, okay, well, like, how do you know what that, how do you know you've succeeded in that? Well, like, you're not yelling at me or, you know, you're, you're smiling and laughing with me or things like that and go, okay, well, what do we need to schedule into the day to make that happen? So you start with your biggest goal that's a feeling you're trying to create and then go, well, how can I, how How's can that I measured? see that? And then what can I schedule it into my day to make sure that happens? And, you know, sometimes we just don't even, when we put that on paper, we realize like, oh, wow, we're putting the wrong tasks on our to-do list. No wonder we're living in survival mode. Yeah. Um, I had a, a client this week um, that, that said, thank you, sent me a text that said, thank you for taking the blinders off. And uh, that was a big moment because he realized, now he doesn't have all the answers yet, but at least he realizes that, oh man, I was, I was putting myself in this. And I had become someone that wasn't aligned. And certainly when he was telling me stories about his travels, for example, I'm like, wait, there's there's a time when you were this way. Let's see if we can get you to that. And obviously that starts with exercises and eating, right? And that can impact how you think and feel. And so once you get people to that point. Yeah, it's really hard to make these mindset shifts or to look at your life this way if you're just putting in um, toxins in your body. Yeah, if you're, you're sit and eat bag your of brain, literally, like your <laughs> your gut is your second brain, so it's really hard to process these things if you're um, inflamed. Yeah, so it's certainly health and wellness. You know, good whole foods are a critical component, taking care of your health. And it's your, funny that he said gut. blinders because I was just thinking how, like in my book, I always write like you need like. My success has been because I wear blinders. So I think it's uh, having intentional yeah. blinders. I think we tend to wear blinders sometimes towards where our Enneagram leads us, whether it's like, are we looking for perfectionist blinders? Are we looking for um, yeah. achievement blinders? Well, I guess more what he was alluding to is that it's sort of the matrix analogy being awakened to the fact that the vast, when he's inputted into this city life, and then this grind mentality, he did, when he's in it, he did not realize how different he had become until I coaxed him to feel better and then start doing the mental exercises and start stepping back like, what do you really want? And then he realizes like, oh man, I had become someone that was inauthentic to his his soul yeah and so blinders would probably be because yeah. that tends to focus on uh i think uh blindfold would be better <laughs> take your take it off the blindfold uh but i knew where he was coming yeah. from and now um it'll be interesting to see him in the next six months uh that he's got some great plans so to step outside the matrix give him a step man well give him something <laughs> let's talk about experiences here like come on let's bring it home <laughs> Don't put me on the spot or anything. Uh, you were just going so long. You're like, man, I was just still in awe. I'm like, wow, you had a lot to say. I have more I, to say if you want. <laughs> I guess we'll have to show up tomorrow. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Personally, I think it still comes down to what you want. What you really, what you, what you, what you want. <laughs> wiki, wiki. Like that. It still comes down to like, what are you going to define as your happiness? Ooh. And there's a good chance 
that that happiness is tied to your Enneagram. And there's a good chance that you're going to take the Enneagram I test and test where? wrong. So I need core values. So the big thing with Enneagram is that you can identify where your core desires are. And I think that's, that's when you test, you should look at that. You are have to have somebody test with you. And then you could actually, on Making Mindfulness Fun YouTube, the girls and I go through yeah. all nine of them. Ooh. You almost need to just watch all nine. Um, I also have a link to person our personality type um, course in the description because it really does go through a lot of details. But okay, so let's say I'm an eight. My core desire is experience, intensity, challenge. challenge. So while yes, living, um, having babies, five of them, in about a decade was absolutely challenged. It was really hard for me too. <laughs> <laughs> Just it was hard for you. But it was, if I told myself that, if I like pretended that I was a type two and like, oh my gosh, I just care. Like I'm a mom. I just give to my kids so much. And I'm, I'm just about like helping them. Of course, being a mom requires helping them. Sure. But that is not my core desire at the time. When before 2010, I could have easily told myself that because I didn't know any better. I was literally like my days existed of waking up, making them breakfast, doing school. Well, it's almost like you are you are in the matrix then, right? Oh, I was definitely in the matrix. And then it's not until I extracted until I like noticed a desire. Uh, yeah. I noticed like hmm. This doesn't feel right. Jealousy is a great one. At least it was for me because I'd be like, ooh, I, you know, social media wasn't big then, but I'd see like travel magazines or I'd be drawn to books of people who like, um, I remember one was somebody walking the Camino and their experience. I'm like, ooh, this sounds interesting. And another person was like, left the rat race to go like start a farm. And I was very drawn to those type of things. So you have insight and like, wow, this is what, I'm kind of curious about this. And then like, I was, the type of personality that takes that next step. So you gotta, you have to have a little insight into like, where's that curiosity? What's sparking some interest in like, hey, take that, take a step in there, at least dip your toe in the water. So check it out. Um, let me give you a, a practical application because I've asked people this. Um, I have one gentleman I've worked with for almost 20 years. And when I ask him, you know, what's his goal or like what he, he can't even tell me what he likes. He's <laughs> like, I just don't know who I am. Just don't know who you are and he's approaching his late 50s because you have so much time that you're inputted into this and you're just you're just off and running right and so i'm like all right let's let's start simple let's like well, how do you like your coffee how do you like this and then, so start small and build up to the point because you know robin will always say what's are the you goal? talking about you oh yeah that was me oh uh, like wait i'm trying to think I'm like 20 years of a client. <laughs> no, but I, I'm not talking about me, talking but about I do you? have that problem all the time. <laughs> but I know how I want my coffee and I know how I want my eggs and I know how I want to actually, how I spend, like to spend my day with my family. Um, so then the next step of that, if for some reason that works for you, or if it doesn't work for you even, and you actually can identify if I, once I get to the point, I'm like, I know I'm a type eight and I actually do need to grow as more of like a type two. That's my growth number. And so I can, I can, what works for me and what I notice works for a lot of people. If you just attach to the qualities of what your growth is. So for Victor, I always tell him like, Hey, my growth is a four, which, which is the individual. individualist. And so I try to show you guys my sort of quirkiness today, which is goofy, different, um, 
you know, uh, and I got if I can get Robin laughing on any occasion, I'm like, dude, that was a, such a huge win. So uh, I, I, if you like this and you like me being here, please leave us a leave us a review for this. Uh, leave, leave some questions uh, if you guys have any questions. Yeah, we gotta keep Victor coming back for more. I'd love um, to be back here more. Sometimes you know, life certainly gets in the way, and this is not a the life is not this perfect. Uh, what do you always say? Rainbows and do I say that? <laughs> uh -huh. And sunshine. There is obviously challenges that face all of us. Sometimes the challenges that we... That person too that I think you're alluding to, you know what's funny is like, I don't... One of our differences or what one of the things that make us maybe defy the norm easier is is when we, we notice there's something that we want, at least I drag Victor to do this, we just go do it. We don't just dip our toe in the water. We do it without like, even if it's not asking permission. Um, like I, I know uh, somebody who they want, oh, I know uh, another person you work with this different that like rents an airplane to go to concerts um, and see concerts. Sure. And I think of like, that is so awesome. That is so the perfect thing for that person to rent a plane because he has a pilot. Well, he's a pilot. So, and go fly to different concerts because he's such I don't know a if he music still does lover. It and he loves yeah. music. And, well, there's and no music. concerts right now. So yeah. it's, it's, so it's hard, but I thought like people don't do that. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so much money. I don't know. There's just so many things you can do that are outside the box that seem like I'm not allowed to do that. And I know there's a lot of things that we've done in our travels that most people are like, what? Like, you're not allowed to do that. No, society doesn't give you permission to just like fly to Europe for six months and like live out of a backpack. And yes, while that was really hard for, for Victor, I think he's super grateful for the experience. Super grateful. And, I got to see some places I would never seen. And, and you um, just do it. I don't know. For me, I'm like, oh, I don't, I really don't wait for permission. That's definitely a type eight thing, but you can, there's some element that you can be like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go do it. And, right. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard I mean, for you. Like, look, you, it's, it sounds so cliche to say life, oh, life's so short, one life to live, but very, very few people actually live their life with intention because we've been plugged into a system, uh, much like Morpheus holds up that battery. It's, you know, in, in the matrix. And if you're one of the few people that haven't seen it, there's a, there's a scene where he just describing, uh, to Keanu Reeves, where he's like, it's to take a human and make him nothing more than a battery. Right. Um, the alien life form has plugged the, the, all the humans in to create them a battery. Well, we're we're really in a world where we're not far we're from not that. Far from that. I mean, <laughs> being a cog, being a cog in a system is certainly what they want. I mean, think about it. Um, you know, even in school, the bell rings, stand up. Bell rings, sit down. You know, stand up, stand up, and line up. I mean, they, there is some training going on for that institutionalization, and you know, it can kind of kill and stifle. Creative energy. Now, some of that is built off of uh, sort of the uh, agriculture, and you could say like, oh, well, you know, that's just a system they develop. But at the same time, you have to have the ability to step outside that, and then we have the ability that we we had a chance to go. Oh, no, no, that doesn't work for us and our kids and our family. Maybe tomorrow we could share a story about how we do that with our kids. Because remember, for so long it used to be like you'd always want Jariah to like. Just listen, follow directions, yeah. just listen. And there's this element of respect that I totally want our kids to like listen to us, but not so much that they are developing that cog mentality of like. Just do as you're told, don't question. And let's face it, we live in a time where 
If you want to give your, this is my strong opinion, and I've been working with children for over 30 years, um, not only my own, but others. If you want to give your kids an advantage, you let them develop that uniqueness, that weirdness now, not, not, not next week, now. Let that come out because without that creativity, how are they going to stand out? That diamond in the rough. They're all diamonds in the rough. That's what I always used to tell, tell parents. Like, look, they're all extremely special. I never met a bad kid. You know, I've had kids that had, that had, did, there were discipline problems in my class, but I was like, man, that kid's going to do well. I could see their path to success. I'm laughing because you're, he's like a magnet for so many people come in and like, my kid has Asperger's, my kid has, um, what was, no, not that one. What do they yeah, have? That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, on the spectrum, they say. On the spectrum, know? on the spectrum. And, and I'll be like, okay. Victor yeah, can take any kid and get them to like, listen, but because he can nurture their creativity or nurture their individuality, but he gets like the, like, had. it's amazing. Yeah, not as much anymore. Obviously I do all my uh, gymnastics training via FaceTime and Zoom now so it's a little bit different but when I used to teach group classes it was like it was a standard thing like if people particularly parents thought hmm, my kid is having trouble with coordination let me take him to gymnastics <laughs> and, and and some of that is good but at the same time you're like oh man this one kid stands out as an outlier and can't do cartwheels because he's maybe his growth rate he's really lanky his coordination hasn't come online and and that's very very normal they all end up evening out but in a class of 12, if that one boy or girl is having trouble, you're like, ooh, how do I make them feel successful? Or if they have a little bit of attention issues, like you end up putting them in their own. We do, I do a lot of station work because I want them to get the ideas like they're getting so many reps that they end up being fatigued before they don't want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say sit down, they're like, sure, I'll sit down. And then where you don't give, you have that line of discipline. But again, that's aside. But we can Maybe, go yeah, we can go into that tomorrow. tomorrow a little bit. And I think of the secrets to success for physicality and kids and athleticism um, is I certainly have opinions on that and what I've seen in kids and what I've seen in general fitness for children over the last three decades. Um, it can be a little bit of a dangerous spot. And uh, um, having so many kids at such a broad age, and I think we've done a pretty amazing job of nurturing they're sort of physical yeah. and mental, right? Yeah, for sure. But that's homeschooling and uh, raising kids. And at this point, um, we certainly have our opinions about how to do that. And if it helps you, we'll be happy to share that. Perfect. All right. I that's think, a wrap. I think we covered a lot. Stick a fork in you. Thanks, you guys.